So God must really want you to know something today since what Emmy just talked about and what I wrote down to talk about today are basically the same thing. The gospel. So I'm thinking that everything I'm going to say today you probably already know. So you can take a nap. (laughs) Or not. Maybe you'll hear it fresh today. So in the beginning, God... The Father, the Son, the Spirit. Living in harmony with each other. Living in relationship. Do you know that it says in the book that God is love? Now I would challenge you that if God is all by himself, before the creation of the world, what in the world could God possibly love? And the answer is God was not by himself in the beginning of the world. Because God is the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And they love each other. Right? The Father loves the Son. This is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. The Son says of the Father, Oh, I don't do anything that the Father doesn't tell me to do. And the Holy Spirit gets so lost in it that when you think you grab the Holy Spirit, you see Jesus or the Father instead. They love each other and they live in relationship with each other. And so when we turn to the first book of, of, of the Bible and learn about the, the creation, but before we get to the creation, we've got to back up a step. Because there we are in heaven with God and the angels. And Revelation 12 says this, And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail. Nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. It wasn't loud enough. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceived the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. There was war in heaven. Satan rebelled. And Michael and the angels threw him out to earth. So in the creation... God made the heavens and the earth and Satan was kicked out of heaven and thrown to the earth where God had created man and in Genesis 1.27 it says so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God he created them. Male and female he created them. We have been made in the image of God. But our enemy the father of all lies with his lies and deception, convinced Adam and Eve to sin. And so the same rebellion that happened in heaven happened on earth. The same loving God was rejected by his creation. And death came to earth. Just as God said it would, Adam and Eve were living eternally in the garden with eating from the tree of life but they were separated from that when they chose sin and they were separated from God and if you've read through Genesis you know what comes next evil and then more evil and then more evil until God says that's enough and he hits the the handle on the toilet and flushes it right with the great flood to do a reset 
And he does, and Noah and his family come out of that ark where they've been saved. And they replenish the earth again. Then we continue through the Old Testament. We read of Abraham, the man who lived by faith. He believed God. And we learn of Moses, the one who led the people out of captivity and taught them the law, gave them the law from God. And then we learn of King David, who led the people of God, and they had great triumphs and victories. But throughout all of these stories, as you read the Old Testament, it's just like this. And so and so was a good king, and the people prospered. And then so and so was a bad king, and 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 then so and so was a good king, and things got better. And then so and so was a bad king. If you read through there, you'll find in one section that there's 18 bad kings in a row. Things were not good. Um, and all of that shows us one thing. That we need a savior. A book of instructions is not going to do it. It's not going to change the people. You can see from the time of Cain and Abel all the way up to the time of Jesus that death reigned because the wages of sin is death. And the people sinned. And it was not for lack of knowledge. They knew. It's just like Emmy was telling us in her story when, when she asked people what sin means. They know. Everyone does. We know what sin is. So we needed a savior. And the invasion of the world began. Jesus, the mighty warrior, the babe in the manger. Um, Jesus brings the glory of the good news to the earth. Another way of saying that is the author of the story steps into the story as the main character. Uh, if you again read in Revelation 12, you'll see what the invasion of the world looked like. The baby in the manger on one hand, on the other hand, the great red dragon pursuing the mother trying to kill the child. Followed by genocide of all those young boys. And Jesus came and brought the gospel. And the gospel is this. Matthew 4.23 Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogues proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Jesus came to proclaim the good news of the kingdom. He said the kingdom is near. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That was his constant message. Repent. Uh, we were not ready for the kingdom of heaven. Because of our fallen state, the chasm between the wages of sin and the free gift of God, we were not able to switch over to the other kingdom. And Jesus came and provided that way. Because of Jesus, salvation is at hand. Now I want to tell you, salvation is not the goal. You may not have heard me, I'll say it again. Salvation is not the goal. 
Salvation is the door into the kingdom of heaven, which is the goal. You must be saved or you can't get in the kingdom of heaven. But being saved is not the point. Getting into the kingdom of heaven is the point and salvation is the door. So salvation is extremely important. What happens when you are saved? Well, many, many great things happen to you. And they happened because of the work of Jesus. Jesus did what was needed. Jesus came to teach the good news, to tell us of the coming kingdom. And then Jesus was crucified. He who knew no sin became sin. He took my sin, he took your sin. Which of our sins did Jesus take? All of them. Now see, I know we know that. We know in our head that Jesus took all of our sin, but somehow it's hard for that message to get to our heart, isn't it? That Jesus actually paid the price for my sin. Because what I do when I sin is I am covered with shame and guilt, and then I try to make things right for the sin I committed. And you know I can't do that, and nor can you. And what a waste of time trying to resolve a sin that has already been resolved. Jesus paid the price. Fully and completely, I cannot add anything to what he paid. He paid the price for my sin with his death on the cross, with his shed blood. You see, there's a theme through the Bible all the way back to Adam and Eve. They were naked and afraid and they hid from God and they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. And God said, that's not sufficient. And he made them some good leather clothing like everybody should wear. And he had to kill some animals to make leather. They don't just give that up. So right in, in Genesis, when God covered their sin the first time, it was done with the shedding of blood. And then Moses comes with the law, and what do we find out? The shedding of blood covers sin. It's the shedding of blood that covers sin. So they sacrificed bulls and goats and all kinds of things on the altar so the shedding of blood would cover sin. And then Jesus comes, finally, the right sacrifice. And his shedding of blood covers our sin because he was the right sacrifice. Because of his sinlessness. He knew no sin. He became sin. So his sacrifice was sufficient to cover all of our sin. Yours and mine. The whole world. Then he descended to hell. Give me the keys, Satan. And he led the captives out. And then he came back alive. The tomb is empty. Nobody stole his body. He is alive. Timothy stuck his hands through the hole. His hole. Jesus had holes in his hands and Timothy stuck his finger through them. There we go. Whatever. Thomas, Timothy, whoever. He did too. Thomas. Thomas, that guy. And so now because of Jesus, forgiveness of sins the new life we are alive now see this gets minimized a lot because we don't we don't understand and value life but Jesus came that you would have life and have life to the full 
Now, last week we talked about a lot about being weary and, and worn out and tired. And the world will do that. But Jesus gives us life. That's why we fix our eyes on him and we consider him because he is the source of life. And do you know the one thing you need today to get through today? Do you know the number one thing you need to get through today? Life. And that comes from Jesus. The sting of death is gone. You know that now. If you're a follower of Jesus, do you already have eternal life? Eternal life is not some far off gift. Neither is the kingdom of heaven. If you are in Jesus, you are enjoying the kingdom of heaven now. These things are not far off distance promise for some day when I die. They are for now. Eternal life has already begun. So what is this work that Jesus did in you? Well, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven if you're in Jesus Christ. You don't have to go apologize. You don't have to hang your head in shame. You don't have to up the check you give to church. You don't have to bake cookies for the neighbor next door. You don't have to do penance by reading your Bible Bible standing on your head in some cold dark room. The price has been paid. Your sins are forgiven. You see, if you owed money, let's say to Rainbow TV, and and you didn't pay, and they were going to cut off your TV, and I went down to the Rainbow office and paid your bill. And then what would happen next? Rainbow is going to turn it back on for you. And what if you go down and try to pay Rainbow? They're going to say, you don't owe anything. It's been paid. You will not be able to pay them money you do not owe them. You won't. And if you do get by with it, they're going to cut you a check to send it back to you. They don't like being in that business of owing you money. You can't do that. You cannot pay the price that someone else has paid. Jesus paid the price. You can't pay it. You've been forgiven. White as snow. That's what you are now in Jesus. You have this life I talked about that has already begun. You have a new heart. If you're in Jesus Christ, you have a new heart. Oh yeah, you used to have a heart that was black with sin and evil and full of no good thing. But Jesus has given you a new heart. A living heart. A heart that is not a flesh. A heart that God writes his laws on. You've been made spiritually alive. You were spiritually dead. But the Holy Spirit of God joins with your spirit, making you alive. Now, not only does the Spirit of God live in you, but you are spiritually alive. And because we are now spiritual beings, the same spirit that's in me is the same spirit that is in you. And that creates an incredible bond between us. We have one spirit, you and I. Um, We've also are in the process of being healed and restored. Think of it this way. As you've gone through life, there have been arrows that have been shot at you. And they all hit someplace on you. And they all have left a mark. 
But worse than the mark of the arrow is the message of the arrow that says what's wrong with you. You can't do this and you can't do that and this will never work out and they don't love you and you're not wanted. You don't have any skills and you're too weak and you're too old and blah, blah, blah. All the message of the arrows about how you're not sufficient to live this life in the kingdom of heaven. And here comes Jesus. To heal the brokenhearted and set the captives free. Jesus is coming to you to say, you know that thing you believe about you? That's not true. That thing that is the core thing that you've believed your whole life about you, about how you can't, that's not true. About how no one will love me, about how I'm always alone, about how I'll never get things done, about how things don't work out. You know all those messages that you hear? Jesus is here to say, that's not true. And it's especially not true of you. He's healing the brokenhearted and set the captives free. And he's given sight for the blind. In Luke uh, 4, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. This is when Jesus was beginning his ministry. He stood and said this. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. To set the oppressed free. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So Jesus came to proclaim good news. And he, he, claimed to, he came to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. And he came to give recovery of sight for the blind. And he came to set the oppressed free. Have you ever taken a turn with blindness? Have you ever been able to not see? Ugh, I hate that. Um, Jesus came to give the recovery of sight. You need a new way to see. And Jesus came to give you that. And, and he's not done. Jesus is continuing his restoration and redemption of you. Making you new. This process that he's begun is not over. He's continuing to work that out. And one of the results of that is holiness. You become more and more holy. Now I used to have the idea that Holy was some kind of a religious thing like a special candelabra that was had a special purpose in the temple. And it's all kind of, no, you can't do this and it must be like this. And I've realized that that's not really a good view of holiness. You know what holiness is? It's a relief. <sighs> the weight has been removed. I can now run in the path of God's commands. Like it says in Psalms 119. Like a calf that's been turned out of the lot, I can now kick through the green pastures. That's what holiness is like. Holiness is not stuffed shirt and button down. Holiness is freedom to run in the path of God's commands. You want to be holy. And I get a family. I belong to something now because of Jesus. My Father in heaven looks at me and says, Well done, son. And then he joins me together with all of you, my brothers and sisters. I'll never ever be alone again in my life. God never leaves me. Jesus is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And I'm a member of the family of God. I'm never alone. 
John 15, verse 13, Greater love has no one than this, to lay one's life down for one's friends. You are my friends, if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, because the servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me. But I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. Oh, we're brothers and sisters because Jesus calls us his friends. We've been joined together because we know the Father's business. We have purpose now to love one another. And to live that out the way that looks, that I might share my life with you so that you might come closer to Jesus. Wherever you're at, the goal of love is to move you closer to Jesus. Jesus said, come to me. And Jesus said, remain in me. And Jesus said, follow me. And so that's what we're doing. That's the way we live this life, together, in relationship, just like the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are in relationship. Now, I'm in that kind of relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And I'm in that kind of relationship for you. God has given us a heart of relationship and calls us to each other so that we have great purpose in this life to love one another. But soon... The next act of the story comes. Soon Jesus returns. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 50. I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. We needed Jesus to move us from flesh and blood carnal into the imperishable so that we could receive the kingdom of heaven done. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. If you live long enough, you're going to die. And the only way out of that is for Jesus to come before you do. So everyone in the sound of my voice, listen to me. You're going to die unless Jesus comes first. Some of you might die today right we don't know some of you might live for another 80 years we don't know but 
you know what I do know? If Jesus doesn't come, you're going to die. And if you've not been changed, if you've not been prepared for the kingdom of heaven, you won't get to go. Now, I'm not trying to pop your bubble or scare you. I'm saying today is today, and you should decide today. Because I don't know about tomorrow. Matter of fact, you may not hear the end of this message. I don't know. Now, I've been preaching for 24 years, and nobody's ever died during a sermon yet. But they could. You might be the first right now. Some people just wish they would die during my sermons. It never really happens. <laughs> So the gospel, the decision, the ball's in your court. See, that's the way this works. Jesus did what was necessary to do. He did the work. He paid the price. He introduced us into the kingdom of heaven and he says the kingdom of heaven is near. Here it is. It's right here. Come on in. And what was Jesus' message always before he said about the kingdom of heaven? He always used one word. Repent. Now what in the world does repent mean? Well, it means you were going this way and now you're going this way. It means turn around. Another way of putting it is this. You've got to change your strategy for living. You've got to make a change and choose that Jesus is the answer. That it's all about Jesus. That's what repent means. Forget all the details, the minutia of it. The big picture is this. You've got to turn to Jesus. Change your strategy to Jesus. He's the only answer, the only way things work, the only hope you have for life in this world or the world to come. I'm not selling fire insurance this morning when I talk to you about Jesus. Although if you believe in Jesus, you will escape the fires of hell. What I'm selling you right now is not salvation. It is the kingdom of heaven. Available to all who believe in Jesus. The forgiveness of sin. Holiness. Life to the full. Healing your broken heart. Being set free. Having purpose in life. Having belonging in life. No longer needing to be afraid. Or worry. Or manipulate or cover but just to run in the path of God's commands I'm telling you that's the offer today and if I haven't said it in a way that makes it attractive to you that's my fault it's attractive you want it if what I said didn't do it go ask somebody else let somebody else describe it to you because you want it if you don't have it and if you do have it it's great treasure. It is great treasure. Treasure it as such. Take that next step into the kingdom of heaven. You see, our enemy always comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus has come to give you the kingdom of heaven and usher you into this new life. And Satan is always along the way saying, it's not true. It won't work for you. It don't, doesn't work. See, give up. It's not working. He's always there. Jesus remains saying, 
come to me. Hey, Tony, come to me. Remain in me, Tony. Over here, come back. Follow me. We're going this way. Come on. And that's the, the invitation to you, is to come, to remain, and follow. It's available to you today. It's what's there. Where are you at in that process? Where are you? You don't have to tell me. I don't care. I want everybody to be in the kingdom of heaven. But you care a lot. What's your decision? What's your strategy for living? Do you need a change? Jesus has one. One that works. Oh, Father, we thank you for this great gift. The gift that we did nothing to earn. All we did was be here. But because of your great love, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son, that whoever would believe in him would have everlasting life. Sign me up, Jesus. I'm in. I choose you. You are Lord of my life. I give you my whole being. Send the messenger. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear. We would feel this calling in our heart. That it would draw us close to you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, do your work of conviction and illuminating that we might hear and see. Lead on, O King Eternal. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.